I invite you to open your Bible or one of the few Bibles to the book of the prophet Isaiah for the reading of God's holy word in your black pew Bible. It is found on page 595. Let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of his word that we might be strengthened to live as his people. Open our eyes, O God, and unstop our deaf ears by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may see the glory of the gospel and truly hear your word so that we may leap with joy and sing your praise with gladness because of what you have done, because of what you are doing, because of what you shall do in our lives and throughout all creation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. And to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Now, I wonder if you ever wonder about the Advent season and particularly about our worship services during this season. I wonder if you ever experience a kind of disconnect. For example, according to the world, the pre-Christmas season began on November the 1st, right? I really think I saw some Christmas decorations up before Halloween this year. And Thanksgiving Day is simply the kickoff of the shopping season to save the American economy. And so on Monday to Saturday, we're out there singing or listening to Happy 
Christmas songs and celebrating the season with lots of good cheer. But then on Sunday morning when we gather for worship, much of the service is, as it were, written in a minor key, penitential, mournful. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Now that hymn certainly doesn't connect with our personal experience of the holly jolly holidays in the 21st century, does it? Well, what is that all about? What is all? What, what is this about? Ransom from captivity and mourning and lonely exile. What does that have to do with Christmas? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Or what about come, thou long-expected Jesus? Didn't he come already 2,000 years ago? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? So why are we singing, come, thou long-expected Jesus, if he has already come? Why don't we just sing our favorite Christmas carols during Advent. I wonder if you ever wonder that. I know that you do. Well, what about these passages of Scripture, such as Isaiah 40, which we read as the opening sentences, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What does that have to do with Christmas? The text for today, Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Why are these passages of Scripture? What's the connection for the Advent season? What does it mean for us? Well, if you want to know, first of all, we have to do a little review of Old Testament history. Now, I know we don't know a lot about history, but just hang in here with me for a minute. Do you remember that the nation of Judah, the capital of which was Jerusalem, Judah was conquered by the Babylonians in the 6th century B.C. That's a historical event. 586 B.C., Jerusalem fell. The temple was destroyed. The people of Jerusalem were carried off as captives to Babylon. It was a terrible dark time in their history, and they mourned in exile. And they prayed for God to deliver them from their captivity. There in exile in Babylon, just as they had done when they were slaves in Egypt. They groaned and they wept under the oppression. They mourned their sins. They cried out to God to remember them in their affliction and to ransom them and to redeem them, and to bring them home. They longed to see their beloved but devastated and defiled land. 
They long to see it renewed and made beautiful again. They longed for the waste places of the wilderness that, that had been turned into a wilderness by the destruction of their enemies. They longed for that to be transformed and, and cultivated again into a garden, a garden of the Lord. They, they longed and cried for the peace, the shalom of the Lord to be upon them and to be upon their children again in their homeland. Well, the passages we read from Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 35 are prophecies of hope and comfort to the exiles. At the historical level, at the original historical level, they were addressed, these prophecies were addressed to give hope to those exiles that the Lord would indeed ransom them, redeem them, renew their lives, and bring them home for a new life in their land as His people. And, Yes, eventually, the Jews were brought back to their homeland. They were reestablished. The walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, and its temple was rebuilt in 516 B.C. That's history. And so those prophecies of Isaiah were, in a partial way, in a temporary way, they were fulfilled before the time of Jesus, but not completely. Not perfectly. The Messiah still had not come. The glory of the Lord had not filled the earth. And before long, Israel was once again, once again subject to her enemies, the Greeks and then the Romans. And so you see, there's another level of application for these passages, the coming of the Lord in the person of the Messiah. Israel still longed and hoped for the Messiah to come. And this was the case in the first century now, in the time of Jesus, during which the Jews were occupied, oppressed, and dominated by the Roman Empire. They were in the situation again. They had been slaves in Egypt. They had been exiles in Babylon. And now, as it were, they were slaves and exiles in their own homeland of Palestine. And they longed and prayed and yearned for the Messiah to come and set them free. And John the Baptist introduced Jesus' ministry, quoting from Isaiah 40, prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, John the Baptist was saying the real return from exile is about to happen through the Messiah who is coming. He was telling the Jewish people of his day to get ready for the coming of the Lord, to prepare in the desert for the Lord who would come and renew them and save them. And then, if you think about it, we can see that in the ministry of Jesus, in his earthly ministry, the prophecies of the Messiah, spoken of in Isaiah 35, the passage we just read, were in fact fulfilled. What, what happened in Jesus' ministry? The eyes of the blind were opened. The ears of the deaf were unstopped. The lame leaped like the deer, and the mute shouted for joy. You see, those are images, literal images, of Jesus' miraculous ministry revealing him to be the Messiah, the fulfillment of Isaiah 35. And by the way, after John had 
been put into prison, John the Baptist was put into prison, he began to wonder, you know, is this guy for real? And he sent, do you remember, he sent messengers to Jesus saying, are you the one? I mean, here I am. I've told everybody, prepare the way of the Lord. Now I'm in prison. What's going on here? And Jesus sent the messengers back and he, and, and with this message. You tell John, the eyes of the blind are open. The ears of the deaf are unstopped. And the poor hear the gospel preached to them. In other words, yes, John, even though you are in prison, I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of Isaiah 35 and all of the other prophecies of the Messiah. So, with the first advent of Jesus, his coming into the world in human flesh and blood, we begin to see these signs of new creation. New creation. Blind eyes being made to see. Deaf ears being made to hear. Mute mouths being made to speak. Lame limbs being made to leap. This is new creation. But Isaiah 35 speaks not only about Jesus' ministry in the first century, but also about his ministry today. Because, you see, this figurative, poetic imagery of the wilderness rejoicing, of streams in the desert, it speaks to us of the renewal of our lives that comes now through faith in Jesus Christ, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us and within us. It is through Him and through Him alone that our lives are renewed and refreshed and the desert of our lives may rejoice because we're not, we're not hopeless and we're not lifeless and we're not condemned to die and perish. Through Him, we are set free from the slavery of our sins. Through Him, we are ransomed. From the devil, our oppressor. Through him, we are redeemed, bought back from the curse of death. That is the promise of the gospel. That is the promise of new creation, new life through Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so we see that for those who believe in Christ and cast themselves upon Him, these miracles have taken place. I once was blind, but now I see. That's a spiritual miracle that enables us to see Jesus Christ for who He really is, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, and to place our faith in Him. But this salvation in Christ, what God is doing through Christ, has not yet been brought to its final, complete perfection. The work of salvation through Christ has not yet been perfectly revealed. Has it? It's true that the world is a much better place, and I assure you, the world is a much better place 2,000 years down through history than it would have been had Christ not come. And, but spiritually speaking, isn't it true? There are still blind eyes to be opened. There are still deaf ears to be unstopped. The world is still in so many ways, spiritually speaking, like a desert. 
like a parched land which thirsts for streams. Spiritually speaking, in the words of Isaiah 35, the world is filled with ferocious beasts, wicked fools, and the unclean, the unholy who rebel against Christ and resist His kingdom. Is it not true that the world is still a wilderness waiting, eagerly longing for redemption? There is still captivity. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the pharaohs that still seek to enslave us and hold you and me in captivity right here in the United States of America. On Thanksgiving Day, you know, the day on which we are supposed to give thanks for all our blessings, On Thanksgiving Day, while watching the Macy's Parade on television with my beloved family, I saw advertisements, one after the other, in which one pharaoh after another, one Babylonian king after another, one Roman Caesar after another, one false god after another, come into the living room and tell me, to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go shopping. As though that would be the most wonderful experience of my life and the highlight of my holidays. As though the secret to my happiness, the secret to my loved one's happiness was how much I could buy before 8 o'clock on Friday morning. Now that's funny, but it's sad. Let me tell you, that's captivity. And we don't even know it. That is Babylonian captivity. And we don't even know it. Captivity to American consumerism to save the American economy. Listen, Jesus came to save His people from their sins. He didn't come to save the American economy. That's captivity. It's slavery. Get up. Get up. Get up. Go shop. Go buy. Serve me. That's slavery. So here's the question. Do we long to be set free? Do we long for the day when Christ's kingdom will fill the earth? Do do we have any imagination, holy imagination, sanctified imagination, which, which would grasp our hearts and Fill us with hope for the kingdom which God has promised through Jesus Christ. Have we we in this wilderness, in this desert wasteland, lost the vision of the eternal kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in everlasting life when the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat? 
the great day when they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. One of the commentators at the Macy's Parade as it was concluding, and maybe you heard that, he gave well wishes to our soldiers around the world and we appreciate that. That's positive. And then he closed with a a good well-wishing, a very good well-wishing, that he hoped that next Thanksgiving all the soldiers around the world could be home with their families. Those are very good well-wishes. And I said, well, we had better pray for Jesus to come again. Do you you get that? Because they're not coming home until Jesus comes again. Do we long for that day when everything sad will come untrue? Some of you may may be familiar with Tolkien's great work, The Lord of the Rings, and I know it's difficult to follow an illustration when you're not, but it's a great story about about a terrible power of evil that is taking over this mystical world. And there's a great battle and a great conflict. And one of the characters uh, actually falls into death. And another character is almost dead. And then, and then suddenly as he's, as he's waking up, he sees this, this character, this wizard, who's come back from the dead. And he said, oh, oh, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. And I thought I was dead. And then he pauses for a moment and he says, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? And then laughter filled the room. Laughter which sounded like springs of water flowing in a wasteland. Do we long for that day when death shall be no more? And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Do we live in hope for a day when our exile here as aliens and strangers upon the earth will be over? Do we live with a homesickness in our hearts? A homesickness which yearns for a place where our hearts are continually filled with love and joy and gratitude untainted by the corruptions of this world. Do we long for that day when God's people, when when we, the new Israel of God, will be brought all the way home, out of our exile, home to our eternal home. That's why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That's our prayer. That's our longing during these dark days of Advent. That's the reason we sing, Come, Thou long-expected Jesus, as we pray and cry out for the glorious coming of Christ, the consummation of His kingdom, the perfect redemption of all creation, the unveiling of the new heavens and the new earth. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion, the eternal, heavenly, new Jerusalem, with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's exactly what we are promised 
in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Christ comes again in power and glory and his, in His final advent. We read from the book of the Revelation chapter 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Now brothers and sisters, that is the promise and the hope of this dark Advent season. As we mourn our exile here, we lift our hearts heavenward for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in power and glory. And I make no speculation about when that will take place. That's beside the point. We're longing for God to complete His work of redemption through Christ. And therefore, it's that future which really ought to affect our present. It's that future of that coming kingdom and that we're people of that kingdom. And we're going to be there forever and ever and ever. And that ought to make all the difference in the world about how we live our lives right now. Now let me tell you a funny little story that happened to me a few years ago. A friend of mine was out of the country on business, but I needed to put a bug in his ear, and so I was just going to call him up and leave him a voicemail, right? So I dialed his regular cell phone number, regular everyday cell phone, and he, he answers the phone. Hello? Clears a bell. And I'm thinking, and I said, well, well where are you? He said, I'm in Seoul, Korea. And I said, well, what time is it? He said, I'm in your tomorrow. It's your tomorrow. So, we had our little conversation and then I went home and I said to Catherine, I just had a conversation that was taking place tomorrow. <laughs> Work on that one a little bit. I, I know that with satellite technology, you can jump time zones and all that kind of stuff, but you just think about it. I was participating, I was participating in a conversation. I was there. My voice was there. My, my mind was there. My, my soul was there in, in my tomorrow. I, I was there on a day, listen, I was there on a day which had not yet dawned in my life. I was being spoken to I was hearing a voice from a day which had not yet dawned in my life. I was connected to the future. And the future was connected to my present. Now you see, brothers and sisters, that's what living the Christian life is all about. It's laying hold of the future. Of realizing that, that we are there. Because our Savior is there. 
the one who holds us in the palms of his nail-pierced hands is there. And if he's holding us in the palms of us of, of his nail-pierced hands, then we're there, aren't we? In his everlasting kingdom, which is coming. It's going to come. And so the call that is upon us now is to live as those who have already been raised up into everlasting life with Him. To live as those who have already been delivered from this exile. To live as those with confidence and joy in Christ our Savior who has come, who is present now, and who will come again in power and glory. And so Isaiah says, strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. In other words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Oh, the world is a wilderness and a wicked place, but do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. He is our hope. He is our life. He is our everlasting future. May the hope of His final advent with power and glory fill our hearts, overflow in our lives that we may live now in the present connected to the reality of the glory that shall be revealed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the promise that you have not left us to wander in the wilderness nor to perish in the desert, but you have come to us, mighty to save us, and to pour the water of your Holy Spirit upon our dry and parched souls so that we might have new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And his, in His name we ask the blessing of Your Holy Spirit to take the truth of Your Word and to renew our minds and transform our lives that we might live as the people of Your favor, showing forth Your grace, love, and power to all the world that all the world may know that Jesus Christ is the Savior whom You have sent into the world. Amen.